talking about life, faith, and everything in between. This is Messy Christianity. Well, good evening. Welcome to podcast number two of the Messy Christianity podcast. Gentlemen, how are you? Good. And <laughs> do we know it's evening? Like, they could be listening at four in the morning. Uh, that's true. But yeah. I'm seriously doubting yeah. that the three people that are listening right now <laughs> are listening at four in the morning. Well, it is evening somewhere. Yes, <clears throat> true. It's five o'clock somewhere. There we go. Hey, uh, just for the listeners in listener land, we need to uh, just clarify that you're going to hear a bunch of hacking and coughing because oh my. all of us are fighting this junk. Yes. Man, it's, it comes around every year, but this year it seems to hit a lot yes. of people really hard. I've got it real bad, and I do apologize because I will hack at one point in this This podcast. is where we need video because watching you duck down below the mic <laughs> and shove things in front of your face yes. to faux cough. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> it yes. is, it is. And Brent, you're, uh, you're, just, you're healthy today. Lots of vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams a day. That's what it is. We can thank Dr. Yeah. Tim Boyette for that. Probably. Thank you, Brother Tim. Tim. So today's topic, man, I'm excited about this. When do we call someone a heretic? And, and essentially, we're asking the question, what's the difference between heresy hmm. and just theological difference? And, and, you know, people may not have thought of this too deeply, mm-hmm. but, but it really is an issue because in, in our culture, there's a lot of division about a mm-hmm. lot of stuff. From politics to how to raise kids to what color hair should be to mm-hmm. spiritual things. Yeah. So let's jump in. Well, I'll jump in first. I think the you can look at this very, very deeply or simplistic and somewhere in the middle. So I'm going to jump to a very simplistic approach to begin with, and we can dive in deeper from there. For me, simply, heresy is a heaven or hell issue. If I get this wrong then I'm either not going to heaven or I'm definitely going to hell. And an example of that would be a heresy would be that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. So a Christ follower who's following the Scripture would say that's heretical. If someone teaches there is more than one way to get to heaven, Jesus is not the only way, we would classify that as heresy. Or we would say that Jesus really was not God's Son or that Jesus was really not God. One of these foundations that really make up the essence of what Christianity is. If we get those wrong, that's one way of looking at heresy, whereas things with we just disagree with theologically could be so many different topics in Scripture. You could just pick almost anything yeah. and say, well, you've got different denominations that believe different things, and even within our own denomination, even within our own church, we have some people that would believe one way and some people that believe something differently about something that, for me, is fun to talk about, but it's not a heaven or hell issue. Yeah, wouldn't it be good, though, to start with the, the traditional understanding or the historical understanding of heresy? Because I, 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 I think you're right on target, but, but I think that in order for us to discuss this, mm-hmm. we have to go back to what does the word actually mean, and then how was it used biblically, mm-hmm. which I, I'm certainly not saying you're, you're jumping through that. I know that you think that way, too, but um, heresy is a word that in the Greek, it, it essentially means choice. And so anytime the Scripture talked about, in the New Testament anyways— um, heresy, they're, they're talking about a choice, or the choice, rather, to believe something, or to, to go one way or another. Yeah. And so, if, you, if we look at the history of the church, heresy has typically been those fundamental issues, the, those heaven and hell issues, so to speak, and it's a choice away from orthodoxy. Because those are really the two classifications yeah. I think we have. Heresy we have and orthodoxy. Heresy and orthodoxy. Yeah. Um, and, and and so you know, going back to our theology class in seminary, you have the levels of 
of uh, primary doctrines and then secondary doctrines. Right. And, and some of those secondary doctrines we put more weight to than others. But that's, that, that's the fundamental meaning of heresy, which is all well and good. But then you go, okay, so what are the heaven and hell issues? Because there's division now between folks in, within, within churches about whether or not you choose God or God chooses you. And, and I think it applies just like you said. It's, you can be all of one, all of the other, or right in the middle. So these are these are the issues that that really cause us cause us heartache, and it divides us. Yeah, I think we need to uh, to to the word heresy is an important word. It's a for, it's a word we need to use, but it's a word we don't need to use too often. Um, it's probably been not probably it has been overused. Um, you know, so heresy. If you disagree with me on anything, I believe you're a heretic. Heretic, yeah. That's that's strong language. Um, however. I think if we don't use the word uh, until we need the word, then the word holds power. So if we come out as church leaders and say, church, this is heresy, then we are raising a red flag and saying this is heretical teaching. Um, If we're not saying that, then um, it may be something theologically that we we may have an issue with, but we're we're not going to draw a—we're not going to die on that hill. We're not going to say this is a heaven-hell issue, so this is not heretical teaching. Um, So I I think— we need to bring back the roots of what heresy is and and just know that um yeah we do need to call it heresy when when something is heretical but uh but we don't need to overuse it either at the same time yeah one of the things our our friend Brian Jones taught at least taught me I'm pretty sure you learned it too but um he said if everything's important nothing is and so if we overuse a word any word for that matter we we really desensitize people for what it means, I can think of a bunch of words: tolerance, and um, you know, just uh, meanness, <laughs> just yeah. all kinds of things. Um, so, interestingly enough, I was listening to a podcast from uh, Albert Moeller. Um, he does the podcast do, during the week, and it's a briefing. And today's podcast was on the heresy within the United Church of Canada (UCC). And apparently in 2015, there was a uh, decision to have a, a heresy trial for one of their pastors. She was a pastor of a UCC church in, I think, Toronto. And she, in 2008, believed and publicly stated, I no longer believe there's a God. She was a pastor of a church. But mm-hmm. it took from 2008 to 2015 for the church to decide, hey, we're going to decide if this is heresy or not. Right. But the news that just came out apparently was that they decided not to have that trial, so they're not going to name it as heresy, and she's still going to stay as the pastor of her church, which which kind of just brings all this to light going. And, and the suspected reasoning is they didn't want the press of the heresy trial, but, 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 but right. it's just as bad, if not worse, Absolutely. to say – because they're essentially saying as a, as a people, we believe right. that there is a God, but – it's okay if you choose to pastor a church and not believe in God. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, you got to draw a line somewhere. So we do. Yeah, yeah. That's um, that is pretty crazy. That and that would be an example, I believe, of when we do need to raise the red flag and call something heretical. Um, there are times when and that's that would be one. That'd be a prime example. Yeah. So and I think the foundation has to be what does the Bible say? That has to be point number one for us. What does the Bible say about heresy? And it speaks of heresy in, in different locations, but the one that comes to mind as we were talking is found in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And I'm trying to pull that up. I looked at the wrong 
<laughs> the wrong version here. I'm just for simplicity's sake, I'm looking at NIV. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destructions, destruction on themselves. And when you look at that right there, he's talking about destructive heresies being taught by false teachers and false prophets, even within the church. Right. He's writing to the church right there and says, in, in among you, you have to be careful of what you're listening to and and be careful of the people that are influencing you because they may be introducing destructive heresies. And if you mm-hmm. don't know the word for yourself, you have no idea whether or not it's heretical, whether or not it's something we just disagree with theologically. If you've not had a conversation or you've not been taught what what is of God, what is not of God, if you don't even have a foundation of whether or not you believe there is a God, then the very concept that you were just talking about that, that Mueller brought up, it's like, how do you even defend that? Right. How, do you, how, do you, how do you say you're against it? Well, I'm against it because my church is against it. Well, that's the wrong reason to be against it. You should be against it because the Holy Spirit of God has revealed that to you within right. you and said, no, what you're listening to is not of God. It's one of these destructive heresies that the evil one is using to destroy or attempt to destroy the church. Yeah. So isn't this where the importance, and, and I think our founding, fa- founding fathers, the church fathers <laughs> knew this, that the Apostles' Creed kind of set the guidelines sure. of orthodoxy? Yeah. You know, th- this is, we believe in God the Father. Make it, yeah. I mean, it's, this is the, of course, I'm singing the Petra song in my right, head. Yeah, but, I believe in God. I mean, that's, that's in yeah. there. Uh, sorry, I didn't need to hear but that. No, no, it is true. That's the, the Nicene, the, the Apostles' Creed. They came, they were birthed out of... Um, Defense uh, Against Heresy. Defense Against Heresy, yeah. yeah. But let's also keep in mind that over the last thousand plus years, we've had people who have stood up for biblical truth and been murdered by the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We... we Great leaders of the faith who, because they stood up for what they believe, what the Holy Spirit was revealing to them as truth in the Scripture, it was not viewed as orthodoxy because of the pharisaical attitude even in the New Testament church. And some of the great fathers and founders of the faith, probably mothers too, were killed. They were burned at the stake or they were whatever. Could you imagine being burned at the stake? That would be a horrendous death. That'd be a fun podcast for another day. Wow. <laughs> no, I can't imagine that. Different, wa- uh, yeah. different ways to be martyred. Wow. No. Yeah. Tune in next week. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> so, you know, that's an interesting point because doctrine has always been important, and, and it's, it's as important today as mm-hmm. it perhaps has ever been, right. I think, because of the amount of information and the number of faux experts that are out there. Because really, the only thing you have to have in order to be a spiritual authority in our culture today is a microphone yeah. and a marketing skill and a personality. Right. That's it. And you can get anybody to believe anything. I think there's such a push, and this is our human nature, there is such a pull and a push for us to discover some new truth and to, to reveal something that's never been thought of or it's like... I have found this in the scripture that, that somehow everybody has missed for the last 2,000 plus mm. years. But here's the thing. Really, I mean, I think I could prove this, but any heresy, even today, is probably rooted in one of the ones that were first century. I mean, you go back yeah. to, without getting too much in the weeds, but Gnosticism or, or was it Doceticism? I mean, they're all, they're rooted in these traditional um, heretical movements. Um you know, think about this. I was just thinking about this. Um, if we believe in spiritual warfare, we believe that Satan is the great confuser. Um, 
isn't it interesting that you really don't, to my knowledge, and I believe this to be true, you don't really hear of heretical teachings in Buddhism or uh, Islam or, you know, Satan's confusing, trying to confuse. And and heresy started, it's not a new thing. I mean, it started in that first century, second century church. And that's where Origen and and Polycarp and Justin Martyr, these guys, they were defending the faith um, and started systematizing, you know, and it led to the creeds. So. One of the things I heard, um, I believe it was on a, a, a podcast or something from Credo House, is that, and I had never thought of this before, but when Constantine had the first uh, church council, mm. essentially, you know, the uh, Constant, what was it? The, got me out of here. My brain is Constantinople. Was that yeah, the first one? Yeah, but the, um, the Council of Council of Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, my church history is just there. We go. It was in three hundreds, and I believe the Nicene Creed came out of that. Yeah. So, so one of the things that that I had never thought about is that there were almost a thousand or so pastors and bishops who came to this yeah. uh, meeting, right? And they came there under under great risk because you're talking about these guys who have given their lives and not just their lives but their flesh. Right. And so the picture that was drawn for me was they're coming to this council with limps and and missing missing arms and with burns and scars on their body mm-hmm. and yet they make this trek. They're they're coming out of hiding if you will if they were in hiding because of the persecution mm-hmm. and they're coming to this one place and it, because it was so important to deal mm-hmm. with good theology, because mm-hmm. they were saying, "Look, the, the 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 longevity, the health, the future of the body of Christ, the church, the ecclesia, mm-hmm. has to have this foundation." Right. And and that just amazes me the lengths that they would go to hold to truth. But you know, we're not probably dealing with that. I mean, I guess we are, but but a lot of what we're talking about are the tertiary issues. Those, uh, you know, are are we elected or do we choose? That's probably the the biggest one that we deal with, or the, that's the one that comes around the most often. Or the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, how does the Holy Spirit manifest Himself in our life? Or eschatology. I mean, there's so many divergent uh, themes out there that uh, you know, w- what dispensation are you? And so, th- yeah, we do have different things that uh, can divide us. But but you're right, reformed, um, you know. But that Holy seems Spirit. that seems Cessation. to be the, the the pulse of that First Peter two one passage. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's about the teaching, but it's really about the unity as much as anything else. Right. And Paul seems to be, or or the, the passage seems to be saying, unity, making sure you're one. So how do we decide which is what is heresy and what is not? What's our what's our litmus test or what's our process? Go ahead. I was going to say that when you think about the origins of denominations to begin with, denominations, when they were founded back in the Protestant Reformation, you started having these different denominations that were being birthed over the, last, over the next several hundred years and even through today. And for the most part, at their conception, it was a great thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't divisive what it was doing. It was really, in, in essence, uh, a fulfilling of the Scripture where iron sharpens iron. And so you got this... This passion to be biblically accurate on the on one particular issue, and another group that believes they're biblically accurate on that same issue, and they're they're at a disagreement. But it's iron sharpening iron, so they're challenging each other. So they basically form their different groups 
of belief system um, on the authenticity of Scripture as they believe it's been inspired by the Holy right. Holy Spirit in their lives. And so you've got these different denominations that have popped up, and then you basically are b- born for us within a denomination, and very few people leave that denomination. They think that's their denomination. That's that's the truth. That's the essence of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And it, it came a point, you know, the last 40, 50 years where denominations actually started splitting and being divisive and, and being against each other instead of the unity of the body. And, hey, it's okay to disagree. Right. It's no, you're wrong, period, and we're right, period. We're the only ones going to heaven, period. Nobody else yeah. is going to heaven, and it's just a total misinterpretation, a total just—it it blows my mind that there was such div, div, not even diversity but anger and animosity mm-hmm. toward— really not heaven or hell type issues as as we would view them. And that's the way that the evil one works. The evil one yeah. wiggles his way in and tries to divide. And he has that inside the church. He does that inside the denominations and and just that, that view of things. So I think for us, it really has to be an, an essence of what is my foundation? What do I believe as a heaven or hell issue? And the rest of it, is it just something I'm okay to disagree with? And we have to be okay to disagree because we are on the same right. page. We're all on the same on the same team trying to have the same goal, which is to fulfill the Great Commission, to right. live out a Christ-like life here, there, and everywhere. Right. So what are the non-negotiables for us? I mean, what are the, the theological, hey, you've got to get this one right in order to maybe not maintain fellowship, but in order to be, uh, in order to be a teacher? Without reinventing the wheel, I'm not quoting the whole thing right now because I don't think I could do it, but I think that is where you go back to the Apostles' Creed or something like that, which really basically defines heaven and hell issues. Um, and it, it goes through the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, who they are, uh, what what is required of salvation. Um, so I think that it's okay to go back to something, to a historical document, to a historical creed, um, and depend, lean on that. Um, to me, that that could be that could be our definition of what what are the essentials and who is the, what's the essentials quote? Y'all remember that one? And, and oh, an uh, essentials. The, the important thing is keep the main thing the main thing. No, 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 no. Hang on, hold it up. Or the essentials um, and in essentials unity and non essentials liberty and all yeah. things charity. Um, uh, that's good. Some say Augustine, but it's really highly debated who actually said that first. Um, I actually thought it was C.S. Lewis, but it's way before <laughs> Lewis. So. But yeah, and essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, and all things charity. Uh, it's a good thing for us to remember. So, but then you have to define what are the essentials, and I think that's your question. Yeah, um, and so so for those who don't know the Nicene Creed, though, and, and who don't want to bother looking it up, just just off the top of our heads, what are the—so so I think I could speak for all of us saying the authority of God's Word. I mean, that's, a, that's to me, a non-essential. Would you agree? Uh, wait, that's an, that's an essential? Uh, what did I say? You said non-essential. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, I we might want to be very specific here. I just want to make sure you were listening. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's yeah. an essential. That That's like yeah. a non-negotiable to me. Like the yeah. Word of God is 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 our right. ultimate authority. Yeah. So what what else would be? Well, we believe in God the Father, uh, okay. creator of all. Uh, we believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, sent by the Father, uh, one with the I'm not quoting the sure, nice and agreed word for it here. We believe that they are uh, so the deity of, the of Christ, deity of Christ, and we believe the Holy Spirit, uh, three in one Trinity. Um, I believe the Virgin Birth is in there as well. Yes. Uh, these are the the things. Is that, that really that important? So that would be one that could be debated, but uh, for <laughs> in the woods, Please. for me, for me, it's important yeah. um, because I believe it does point towards the deity of Christ. Yeah. Um, so, 
But then that would be an answer to the question, do you have to believe that before you can <laughs> say yes to Jesus? And yeah. for, for lack of a better term, say, Jesus come into my heart, as we, yeah. as we say. But to be able to say yes to Jesus, do I have to believe every single one of those things? Right. And, and there's that whole, whole debate. At what point can you say yes to Jesus mm-hmm. based on what limited information you do have or, or you don't have? Yeah, that's a real tough one, too, because some of the things that seem essential to me may not right. be essential to someone else. Right. And the question is, am I willing to break fellowship? Am I willing to call you an enemy or an outsider yeah. because you don't believe the way I believe? So that's that's a really tough one. I mean, because it's a... Yeah, and just for that, clarification, none of us in this room are saying that we, believe we don't in, believe the virgin birth yeah, and we that do. we don't think it's important. We obviously do. But, but I can say I know that there are... Uh, Theological teaching. There are seminaries that that uh, don't necessarily teach it's a virgin. Uh, they, they believe that it can be translated to a young woman. So, I mean, I know that that teaching is out there. Um, but to make this a little easier in our conversation, uh, something like uh, baptism, uh, you know, sprinkling or immersion or, you know, to me, those are to help us better define this. To me, that would be a non-essential. Um, like, I believe. But not to a church Christ. Well, <laughs> but, and, and that's, that's a heaven and hell issue. Right, and that could be a, a point here. So, um, But for me, for yeah. me, um, that is something that I could, um, I could fellowship with my Church of Christ brothers. I could fellowship with, uh, you know, my Methodist brothers. I can, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I believe in immersion, but, um, but I'm okay with it not being immersion at the same time. That's a non-essential. I don't have to die on that hill. I'd like to go back for a second for what you said a moment ago, Jeff, about, I don't know if I can say it correctly, but at what point do you break fellowship? And you said some, I used a word that was a little bit more harsh than that. I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was, it came across as, I just, I can't have anything to do with you because we don't believe the same thing. And I just want to remind all of us that the essence of Christianity itself is the word love. Yeah. That no matter what you believe through the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within me, if I am a Christ follower, I am called to love you, period. Regardless of your belief, regardless of what you've done to me, regardless of who you are, regardless. The the, the evidence of the Spirit of the living God within me is love. Mm-hmm. That's one of the attributes of him, and that's who we're called to. So no matter what your job responsibility is, no matter what congregation you serve, no matter where you go to church or what your belief system is, is mm-hmm. My responsibility is to, in love, point you to Jesus Christ Absolutely. and let the Holy Spirit do his work. I'm not the role of the Holy Spirit. I am not the Holy Spirit. That's mm-hmm. not my job. Right. My job is to point you to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and on you and through you to point you toward that personal relationship, however it's defined. I think we spend a lot of time arguing, not we as of the three of us yeah. or even our church, but yeah. in, general, in general, you can read so much propaganda and hate mm-hmm. based on scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched a video last night yeah. and in the video it was it, it was stated and I, I've heard this before that back in the 1800s slavery itself was defended, was yeah. defended by the word of God. Right. And when you look at scripture through any other lens other than the purity of the Holy Spirit of God, right. then you're opening it up through uh, a misconception. It's like you're looking at it through a fog, and 
what you're going to get may be partial truth. It's not going to be 100%. Yeah. It's not going to be accurate because of my, my, I, read, I read the Scripture through my denomination mindset. Yeah. I, I read it through the way I was raised. I read it through my cultural concepts yeah. and all of these things instead of, of looking at the Scripture and saying, God, Holy Spirit, move in me, reveal to me the truth of what you're saying, and in love, allow me in, in fellowship to love everybody else that's around me and point them to Jesus. I think it's a, t- it's a challenge for us, but it's something we always need to remember, that we need to read the Word of God, study the Word of God um, with an open mind. When I say an open mind, I mean a Holy Spirit-driven mind, not an open mind as anything allowed. But Holy Spirit, teach me what you want to teach me in, in your Word. Um, I, I would dare to say that the vast majority of Christians form their doctrinal positions, you know, within that first six months, a year of becoming a Christian. And then from there, um, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. We, we've done that church training. That's what babies do. Back babies the, learn stuff. Yeah, when we, we learn. Yeah. But I think the danger in that is then from there forward, when you read the Bible, you, you read it with the lens of the doctrines you've already been taught. So you tend to put things back in the compartments you've already learned. Um, and if we're, and, and we have to be really careful, especially as pastors and teachers, that we don't uh, we don't read the Bible as seeking proofs for our already preconceived uh, doctrinal positions or ammunition to support what we already yeah. truly believe. Um, that's a challenge as a human being. That's a challenge to to read the Word fresh. A Spirit of God fall fresh on me today. Let me read this uh, with new ears, new eyes. You speak to me today. And, and that asks, asks that bears us asking the question: How do I maintain a teachable spirit? Yeah. You know, that's why it's hard, I think, to be a spiritual leader, whether it's a pastor, a lead pastor, youth pastor, yeah. worship pastor, whatever, because you're you're kind of caught in that no man's land or, or in the tension. I think John Stott calls it uh, I can't remember what he calls it, but it, it it's that it's that place between between being um knowing what you knowing what you know and then also allowing people to to, to grow and to, to mature at their own yeah. level. So it it it's this defending the faith but at the same time allowing the holy spirit to move and right. so as a pastor i i am i am uh, passionate about people knowing truth because yeah. i absolutely believe with 100,000% of my body it's not even possible but mm-hmm. that 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 the word of god is sure. the authority for everything in life sure and so if i see somebody getting it wrong or at least what i perceive is getting it wrong mm-hmm. you know cuz i don't have it all right I think I do, but I don't. Then, then I want to pull them away from mm-hmm. whatever that misunderstanding yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. But, but I have to realize that I am a, a sheep as well as a shepherd. You know, does that make sense? Did, did that come out right? It does, yeah. and it's, fr- it's, it's hard. It's, we can't point our finger and say you need to come do this. It's the, it's the illustration that Jesus used about the speck in our eye versus a plank in yeah. the eye. Yeah. It's, I don't have it all together, but let me in love point you toward what the Bible says. And it's the way that we, it's the way that we carry that. It's the way that we demonstrate it that is effective or ineffective. If I do it without a teachable, if I don't have a teachable spirit, how can I teach someone to have a teachable spirit? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, do, sure. as I, do as I say, not as I do. Right. We have and and it's a, I think as much as I acknowledge of, I don't have it all together. But what the Holy Spirit of God is teaching me in this moment points to whatever that conversation has to be. It, all, all three of us in this room, we have taught on many occasions different different times. And I think it's good for us to be reminded that that although we are teachers, uh, actually the Holy Spirit is the teacher. We, we, uh, 
may have the gift of teaching and we we teach something, but the Holy Spirit's the one that's going to bring that understanding of that subject. So uh, I hear what you're saying. Like sometimes we want to pull these people back into the fold, um, and and we should we should we should we should teach them. But ultimately, we got to lean on the understanding that can only be gained from the Holy Spirit um, teaching them the truth of the Word. Does that make sense? Okay, so, I I agree 100. percent What if we have people that are listening to this podcast? Yeah that have never been told the Holy Spirit is their teacher. How do we defend that biblically? Well, for yeah. to answer your question, what you were saying was 1 John chapter 2, yeah. where where John says that we are mm-hmm. we, we don't need another teacher that is the Holy Spirit of God. But right. we, we can't assume also that everybody believes that. I need a teacher. Yeah. I mean, we, we Paul talks about the, the need for teachers. It's all throughout the New Testament. Right. It's part of the spiritual giftings, part of the role of you got the apostle, prophet, evangelist, separate, and teacher. Right. So teachers are needed, but the the teacher's role is to point people to the ultimate teacher, right. which is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. which and is it, what you were saying. It, I just, it is. Yeah, that's a good clarification because the Holy Spirit's going to bring the understanding. The teacher may teach, but the, but the Holy Spirit will be the one who brings the understanding to the situation. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And we can't forget uh, Titus 3.10 says, Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. That's pretty That's pretty cut and dry. The word device, the, the phrase divisive person is speaking of heresy. So warn, the, but but that's where the sense is more of not just false teaching, but, but a person or, or a, a varying belief, a varying choice, but it's mm-hmm. a person who's being divisive in it. I do think there's room in the body of Christ for differing beliefs Absolutely. on those secondary issues. Yeah. There yeah. has to be, because there's mystery of, of God, right? I think yeah. it's the intentionality of the heart. What, what is in the essence of the heart? So Second Peter chapter 2, I read a little bit of it at the beginning. That entire chapter is about people who are purposefully trying yeah. to lead people astray for their own namesake, for their own glorification, so, so they get rewards for that. And those are the people that we're, that we're talking about here. And we're thinking through the lens of denominations here a little yeah. bit, you know, the, the mainline Protestant Catholic denominations here. It's even bigger than that. Um, this is a bigger world than just even that. I think C.S. Lewis is the one who talked about every culture and even every denomination has blind spots. I mean, we have to believe that to be true as humans that are that are fallible. We are fallible human beings. There are blind spots in our even in our own theology. Uh, as hard as that is to believe, I could possibly be wrong on something. So, you know, um, <laughs> that's what Shannon tells you. Oh, come on now, stop. So we're at the mark that we need to start wrapping it up. Um, let, let's just do some final thoughts. Mm-hmm. My final thought on this is that we're never going to be free from division in ter- or or from the possibility of division because we're human beings. We have our own thoughts. We have our own pers- our own colored glasses. You know, we have our own life experience. And so because we'll never truly be free for that, I think we use the principles of what the Word of God tells us um, are principles for us living. And so how are we supposed to live? Well, uh, Philippians 2 says we're not supposed to consider others or ourselves better than others, but we're supposed to humbly come, so a heart of a servant, and we're supposed to love. And love should overrule all else, not at the expense of truth, but it should never. But truth should never be without love. And so, if we consider consider ourselves, and and we are humble, and if we love each other, and if we're teachable, I think that's a principle as well, which is part of humility. Then then we can sit in the same room, and say, you know what, I totally disagree with you, 
but that's okay. Yeah. Because that's not. But now, if you're teaching my kid, oops, if you're teaching my kids that there's another way to the Father, but through Jesus, yeah. we're going to have an issue, and that's yeah. where I think the Titus is going to come yeah. in, saying, "Look, you're not, you're not, you're not going to teach we'll my kids that, right? Because that's that's just plain wrong, right? But if you're teaching them, you know, something that's that's not a major issue, mm-hmm. that, that there's room for. Maybe kids isn't the best example, but you know what I'm saying. It's it's a there. There's liberty there because yeah. I think that as iron sharpens iron, mm-hmm. so one man sharpens another. Because I don't have it all right, right. Even though I want to, I don't. Yeah. I agree. I think the the teachable aspect of it is for me kind of the heartbeat of it. Because if I maintain a teachable spirit, a teachable attitude, then I acknowledge every single day that I do not have it all together. And if I do not have it all together, then there may be things in the scripture that not a heaven or hell issue that we just disagree on theologically. And guess what? Maybe me disagreeing with you theologically will give you an opportunity to teach someone who is teachable a more perfect way. Yeah. And, and that's what it is. I don't have all the answers, even though I may act like I do, but if I'm still teachable, that's, that's the essence of it for me. A great deal of people that may be listening to this, the thousands out there and, podcast land that are hearing me speak right now. Um, we form strong opinions and theologies. Um, but a lot of time I believe it's formed based upon things we've been taught, things we've heard. Uh, it, it, it's not necessarily from a deep, uh, studying of ourselves. I guess sitting there thinking about this, what's a closing thought, challenge yourself. Uh, challenge your own thinking, challenge your own doctrine. I'm not talking about heaven and hell. Let's define those essentials and stick with those. But for the non-essentials, maybe it's not a bad thing to read something outside of your own echo chamber and and challenge uh, something that you have maybe always held to believe um, that's a non-essential, those secondary theological issues. You may still land in the same place, but you may not. Um, and so I think that's, I think it's okay to do that. Um, for those, I, I would say let's, for those that are uh, have been in the faith a while, I don't know if that's something we necessarily want to do with the the babies in the faith, but um, uh, anyway, that, that may have no. I agree. I, our, I think our very basic prayer, day in and day out, should be God teach me. Yeah. God give me a teachable spirit. Yeah. I don't have it all, and I want more. Do I have an I want more attitude? Not for me, but so that my more glorifies mm-hmm. God. One last closing thought for me, and sure. this will be it. Read the historicals. Read, yeah, read, the, read the older guys. There's I mean, nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. And, Ecclesiastes one uh, yeah. nine, man. It's nothing. There's some good modern books, but there's a lot of junk out there too. Yeah. But go back and read the classics. Read some of these guys who, uh, who defended the faith way back. I mean, go. There actually was believers before the Reformation. People don't know that. <laughs> there's a reason <laughs> you know? that a book lasts three hundred years. Mm-hmm. It's because it's not crap. Right. I mean. Yeah. If if it. Yeah. Well, actually, I can't defend that because there are some things. But but overall, there's there there's something. Yeah. There's something worth at least looking at if it's if it's that if it has that kind of longevity. And let me say that it's okay to disagree with someone and yeah. still honor and respect them. Yes, I, I'll read I'll read one point. book by someone and I agree 100%. You better watch out there. But then they say something else. I'm like, I don't know if I'll agree with that. Well, just because I don't agree on one point doesn't mean everything else garbage. Oh, yeah. There's They still have lots of good stuff that I just disagree 
on a theological point. That's okay. To the church member that's listening to this. You already had the last word. <laughs> I'm not going to say To the church members listening to this, as pastors in this room, we have all on multiple, multiple occasions been handed a book by a church member that yeah. says, you need to read this. Yes. This is the most important book ever, ever, ever. That's happened so many times in my life. Your life, your life, I know. So um, look, just here's my encouragement. That's awesome that God is speaking to you through that book. Uh, read another one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of books out there. Um, a lot of stuff out there. Gentlemen, always a pleasure. Yep. Um, I look forward to what we're going to talk about next week. It's going to be fun. So if you're in listener land, thank you for listening. We are uh, three ordinary pastors who are willingly admitting that we do not have it all right, although all of us at one point thought we had the corner of the market. <laughs> and you're almost 50, right? Oh, you're you're <laughs> You're in the upper 40s. I'm, I'm not I'm, too far behind. I'm 45, I think. You don't even know how old you are. That's fun. I, you know, I just... My youthfulness just beams through no matter what the age. So, but here's the deal. You know what? I'm Guys, seriously, I mean this with all... It is so fun doing this journey with teachable guys mm-hmm. who are willing to look you in the eye and say, you know what, you totally don't have that right, <laughs> but I can work with you anyways. That's fun. Yep. I, I, am, I am grateful that there's a, there's a unity even in the diversity because you know what? Diversity is beautiful. The one thing I wish we had, and I hope this comes out right, I wish we had more ethnicities within the body here at, mm-hmm. at, at church because – I think when you start having multiple ethnicities, uh, multiple cultures, it just mm-hmm. it just makes things far more beautiful. And potluck is way better. Uh, it removes some of those better. blind spots too. That's it. Absolutely. I wish I could see things more clearly through it. So. All right. Well, we're gonna knock it out, and you guys have a great day. See you on the flip side. later. Thank you for listening to Messy Christianity. Three guys talking about life, faith, and everything in between. Want to know more? Check us out at www.storypointchurch.com or www.messychristianity.com.